Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. We're here in the studio with Nick Garf yeah, and Noomi. I'm so excited. Um, we finally got Nick mm-hmm. to come down to Manhattan Beach. <laughs> I drove the whole 12 miles. <laughs> hey, I'm, that's like three hours in LA time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could I be. am so excited. So if you don't know Nick Garf and Noomi, I'm sure you do. But if you uh, don't, you've been living under a rock. Neg is a, well, you're like a coach, but you have been many things and we'll get into all the things that mm-hmm. you have been and the things you're doing now. Um, but in addition to that, you and I have been really good friends for a very long time. Friends um, and I love what you're doing lately. And I'm going to talk about all the things, of course, professionally, but like we like to do on The Best Life, we do like to talk about the personal shit. So um, I know that you have had a lot of kind of relationship type thingies Ugh. happen over the last several years, which I want to get into. <laughs> yes. And I've learned a shitload about yourself and about what mm-hmm. you want and all those kind of things. And of course, we like that juice here. So mm-hmm. welcome. Well, thank you for having me. We like the juice. Can't wait to talk about my fucked up love life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's the best. It's actually people. <laughs> it actually is the best. People who seem to be most interested in are like food obsession stuff and then relationship stuff. And right. fucked up relationship stuff is way more juicy. Well, because who wants to hear about the the perfect relationships? Because I think nobody has one. Dude, we yeah. got this email after we got an email. We got a couple of emails from people after we like first like launched the podcast, and they were like, and they'd been married for like twenty years, and they're like, let me tell you what makes a good relationship. Oh, this oh, is like boy. unsolicited feedback. Thank you. <laughs> but in my experience, what these the are fuck? the twenty things. Yeah that really make a great relationship like we did cool start a podcast yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly yeah it was like oh thanks for that but everyone has their two cents right based on their own experience well and lessons and all that well it's like in that song i don't fuck with you what is the what's the line fuck with yeah i don't want your two cents unless it's going towards the bill Oh, I, I that's how I feel one. about you giving your two cents. <laughs> two cents, unless it's going towards the bill. So, so good. I know. If you guys are not following Neg on Insta, make sure you're doing that. She always has the best stories. Oh, Very thank you. flavorful, but also mm. a lot of They're good sal- insight. Is salt the flavor? Is yes. That the- <laughs> yes. Salt is the flavor. Yes. Salty, but I'm one of the lucky people that gets to see the really sweet side yeah, of you. Yeah, you get the sweet. Yeah. And the very loyal, awesome side of you. Cool. So let us give us some background and like to kind of obviously right now you're not really doing a ton of like fitness coaching, but no. you came from a fitness background. Yeah. So I started an online uh, fitness. I don't want to say company, <laughs> but fitness coaching online mm-hmm. um, after having been a personal trainer for several years, just like, you know, just like y'all. So it was like, this is what I know how to do. And I'm so grateful to that, even though I don't sell fitness anymore. I'm really grateful that that was the gateway for me because it really opened me up to what was possible in terms of the work that I'm doing and uh, and being able to reach uh, cast a wider net by having like an internet platform, especially at the time when we did it, which yep. was not yep. super saturated and like people weren't even using Instagram for business. Like none of that was happening. So um, that I, I launched that business in 2012. And, you know, did a lot of fitness coaching, nutrition coaching, mindset stuff around fitness and nutrition, which kind of uh, evolved into doing more body image stuff. 
and really kind of helping people figure out how to be whatever fit meant to them mm-hmm. without obsessing over their bodies and obsessing over food. And and that was certainly a result of me having gone through that same healing process, which I think we all have, yeah. you know. Um, and so that was really kind of the beginning of the evolution of the business from it going from like, okay, these are just workouts and meal plans to this is like juicier stuff. Um, I feel then, like a lot of people do, like, I feel like that's the trajectory for a lot of people yeah. who are in fitness. And then mm-hmm. you kind of get to the point where you're like, I'm sick of talking about, yeah. and there's a million people on the internet who will give you a workout or exactly. give you recipes. Exactly. I want to do something deeper. I want to go deeper. And I don't even write my own programming. Like I do CrossFit and I have a coach and I like, I still obviously work out all the time. I just, it's not a part of my, um, business offerings, but yeah. it's still part of my brand, right? Cause yeah. it's who I am and I am my brand. But I got to the point where I was just like, I've said everything I need to say about this. Yep. And it's all out there. It's, you know, yep. you can you can have it if you want it. But also, like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And that doesn't mean that it's not important because yep. it's fucking hella important. Yep. Like, fitness is very important and it's a huge part of my life. Um, but I just didn't have anything to say about it anymore and had other things that I wanted to say. And it's evolving. Like, a couple of years ago, like, I don't even talk about body image stuff anymore. Right. I've said everything I need to say about right. body image. And a couple of years ago, um, I did the really, really scary thing. And I think that's when you see those evolutions in your business is when you do the next scary thing. The first time I posted about having my own body image issues was like the evolution of my business from fitness into something a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And that was the scariest thing I had ever done publicly at that point was say, you know, this is what my body looks like and I still don't like it. Mm-hmm. And like... They're, that's fucked up. Yep. And like, here, let's talk about it, you know? Yep. And so that was kind of the scary thing. And then a couple of years ago, I did the next scary thing, which was um, started to really kind of share like my more metaphysical stuff on Instagram. You know, I read tarot and that's a big part of my business now is I read tarot and I um, I do energy healing for the most part. And it's still coaching. Mm-hmm. Like my coaching sessions are we get on Zoom and we talk and, and we're here and, and we're, we're going back and forth and we're talking about all the juicy stuff. But I'm also using crystals and I'm pulling tarot cards and I'm playing a singing bowl and I'm channeling fucking messages for you. And like there's it, there's just a more of a metaphysical element to it. And so that was really scary. I was like, I'm going to start posting my tarot readings on Instagram and people are going to be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people were not like, what the fuck? I mean, right. I'm sure they some were people interested. were, but yeah, people were yep. interested. Yeah. And now I have this whole community of women identifying people from that followed me because of fitness who are also very like engaged in fitness, either as professionals or as, uh, or as just, you know, participants. And they're all learning how to read tarot and they're all getting into crystals. And like that the evolution of my business was like the next scary thing. And that's kind of where things are now. And then a earlier, probably earlier, no, probably about last year, probably around a little over a year and a half ago was when I started sharing more of like my illustrations, mm-hmm. which was the next scary thing, right? It was just like, this is fucking terrifying because like nobody thinks their art is good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's always scary. And so that was like the next evolution. And so now just by combining all of those scary things, my business has is at the point where what I do is I offer business coaching and brand consulting for healers, for people who, who work in healing spaces, wellness spaces, Fitness and nutrition, yes, but more so um, people who um, are energy healers, Reiki practitioners, tarot readers, astrologers, teaching those people how to run online businesses. And then that's like the more B2B and then the end user is like doing tarot readings and doing energy sessions. And um, I'm publishing, I'm self-publishing an Oracle deck 
you know, like, which I'm drawing. So that combines the scary, here's my art and the scary, hey, I do magic. (laughs) (laughs) All of those scary things. But all of those scary things led me to feeling probably the most aligned I've ever felt in my professional life. Like, I feel like I'm walking my soul's path. I feel like this is what I'm meant to be doing. I don't feel like I need to explain myself. I actively call myself a practicing witch and I'm not scared about what people might say. And that took time and it required me to do the scary things Mm -hmm. and say, here's my tarot cards. And now here I am and I feel like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. That's such a good feeling. I think we've had like times in the past, like I can think of a handful of times where like for a split moment, I felt so aligned, you know, with like what you're doing. And then it like, and then it's like, and then it it flies away for a little bit. And then you have to like realign. And so I just love having known you since you started, like literally we knew each other right when you just started doing group coaching for fitness and having seen your evolution and really continuing to honor like the new things that you want to learn. And then as soon as you learn them and master them, then you share them Yeah, and, you know, and teach them. And I think that's so cool. So how does someone know if they need a tarot reading? Like, okay, we're sitting here and I'm like listening. I'm like, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Are you going to predict my future? (laughs) I mean, I guess I think there's a lot of misconceptions. There is. And tarot is divination and, but it is not future projection. And it's not going to tell you your future and it's not going to tell you like, what you should be doing or anything like that. It's really just going to provide a map for your own internal landscape. And if you work with a tarot reader who is gifted in reading tarot and interpreting messages, what it really is, is I am, I'm not telling you anything necessarily that you don't already know. I'm channeling the messages that like you need to hear Mm -hmm. and potentially the messages that you're resistant against is usually what ends up happening. Because, Which is like, I think that's the course of a good coach, right? Is like right. really right. someone who can like kind of see your, the st- like your insecurities, your mm-hmm. BS, whatever, and kind of go like, oh, yeah. maybe and like just. So for example, there are some coaches who use like the strengths finder sure. uh, mm-hmm. method and like, you know, there are like, if you get a precision nutrition coach, they're using the precision nutrition methodology. Sure. These are all like methodologies laid forth that they're using all these tools and they're coaching. Tarot is just another one of those. Got it. And so it is really effective for people who want to connect more to like their celestial aspects. People who are like so grounded in their humanness, like all the ego based things about being human and all the stress and the overwhelm and like, you know, the energetic management and all these aspects of being human that in order for us to like really reach our full potential and really be able to be in a place of acceptance and emotional evolution and energetic evolution and all that understanding that it's about more than that you know it's about like the more like celestial ethereal aspects of it and so if you're a person who is interested in the idea of spiritual connection if you're a person who is interested in the idea of energy like if you are like it's you don't have to be um of any faith or any religion or any like any spiritual background it's just being open to the idea that not everything is a coincidence Mm -hmm. that like things happen as they're supposed to be that the universe sends you messages you know and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff then tarot will work for you because you're open to that aspect yeah I have a question about how you moved from your fitness into it and the business aspect Mm -hmm. did you I'm guessing there was like a middle part where maybe people started coming to you for the tarot and you're like okay now I'm shifting out of my other coaching Mm -hmm. did you just toss everything like from your past away do you still have your old offerings for sale because I've been dealing with this idea of um, 
like decluttering physical and mental stuff. And so sometimes (laughs) I think to move forward in your new path, you have to almost clear and get rid of all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So was there like a middle where you're like, I'm still hanging on to my old stuff because it's making me money, Mm -hmm. but this new stuff is kind of where I want to go. Like, how did you manage that middle ground? It was gradual for Mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. It was gradual. There was a period of time where like, um, and then I kind of went chronologically. So it's been probably about two years since I haven't offered my very first like digital program for fitness. Mm -hmm. And that program launched in 2013. And so it's been about a year, maybe two years since I've just like wiped that out. And then about a year after I stopped offering it, I actually went in and like deleted all the YouTube videos Mm. and like got rid of all that stuff because I was just like, yo, if you brought this program in 2013, like you've, you've already done it. Yep. You know, this is yep. it for these YouTube videos. They got to go because I need to declutter this space. Yeah. Um, and I definitely did it gradually. And then, like you said, that stuff is still making you money. And my last, the last fitness product I put out was in 2017. Mm-hmm. And that was Pull Up Queen. And I put that out at the end of 2017. And I felt really confident continuing to offer that because I am still the pull-up queen. Yeah, and yeah. I still do pull-ups all the time. And yeah. I still think everyone has the capability to. And I really believe in that, like level of empowerment that comes from being able to pull yourself up over a bar. So I still Mm -hmm. offered that for a very long time and in fact only took it off of my site maybe about a month ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. It still exists. Mm -hmm. Pullupqueen.com still exists. You can go there and buy it and I think I'll leave it for Mm -hmm. a while, but you can't buy it from my website. Got it. And so it was just like whatever felt energetically aligned at the time, just little by little. So now if you go to the shop on my website, everything is aligned with what I do now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be interesting in that the brand shifting because yeah. when you are your own personal brand and you are, you know, you are you and you're doing what you're doing. But when you have different offerings, I struggled with that a little bit yeah. going from like fitness to find the money project stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I was really curious. I think it's also you're... helpful just from like um, an actual like business standpoint too, because it's like, no, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And you really do have to kind of niche into that a little bit more. Yeah. Because otherwise people come and they're just like confused. They're like, yeah. but are yeah. you a trainer or yeah. are you? And I think I realized I needed to do that when I would go on like podcasts or, you know, I would be at events and people would still introduce me as like a fitness person. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, but that's not what I do anymore. Right. At all. Like I do it for myself, but I don't do that for other people. So like I realized that that really needed to be cleared out. And that energetic clearing was really helpful because it's since then that I've just been like full speed. Like, Mm, no, this is a viable option for Mm -hmm. me and this is what I'm going to be doing and this is how I'm going to go forward. And so everything aligns with that. Like my business coaching, my personal coaching, my artistry and the things I create, they all fall under that same umbrella. But the interesting thing is that the ultimate intention of my brand has not changed. Mm -hmm. It has always been to in, to encourage women identifying people to take up more space mm-hmm. and to like stand in their power and unleash their magic. It has always been that. Mm-hmm. There's just been different, different iterations, ways, of different that. tools. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So you said something earlier that I want to come back to, which was when <clears throat> I just had it on the tip of my tongue. This keeps happening. This does happen. Oh, you said like that the universe is sending you messages, mm-hmm. which I, d- I think so. Like, and I, I think all three of us kind of do believe that like things happen, not like for a reason, but like we can if we're seeing the same patterns come yep. up and up and up. And so on The Best Life, you talk a lot about personal relationships, romantic relationships. How has your own personal relationships contributed to your growth as a person? So mm-hmm. like is what sort of messages have you had from the universe that you've um, worked through? The major like uh, karmic pattern that I keep repeating, <laughs> that I keep thinking that I have not 
repeated. I'm just like, I've oh, got it right this yeah. time. <laughs> um, but you know, that stuff wears different sure. faces and you know, there's different masks. But the main like sort of karmic pattern that I keep repeating is um, that I am, especially in romantic relationships, I am a nurturer um, because I am a healer. And when I stepped more fully into my healership as a professional, that expanded on all levels. And so I give of myself completely to relationships and I will allow myself to subsist on a crumb diet. Mm -hmm from the other person because I will tell myself that like, well, I'm the one who knows how to do this. I'm mm -hmm. the one who is, you know, capable of nurturing emotionally and that, you know, there's a balance in that relationship and the other person maybe necessarily doesn't have those tools. And so I'll be accepting of it and I will allow that person to be an energetic vampire and I will hold all the space right. and I will, you know, take all the responsibility and not receive. And so the the pattern that has come up for me several times in personal relationships is that I over nurture and mm -hmm. under receive. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, that has taken different iterations. Um, and prior to working through my own issues with my own worthiness, um, when that would happen, immediately, of course, you're in like the wake of the heartbreak or the betrayal or whatever it is. And you're just like, it's because I'm not good enough. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. And so it's really interesting because you can look at that. And while it's the same pattern, while I'm still repeating that same pattern, I am a different version of myself and a yep. more capable version of myself mm -hmm. every single time. So this last time, which I'm like in the thick of right now, um, actually just about a month ago, I'm not in that like, what did I, what did I do wrong? How did I ruin this? Why did this happen to me? sort of place, of course, I'm still honoring that heartbreak and grieving and everything, but I'm also like, I fucking got this mm -hmm. because anything that happened as like, whatever this person did that caused this trauma is from their own trauma. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with me. And I was great. Yeah. And I, I was, I was amazing. And like, I didn't do this. Yeah. You know, and so even though I keep picking people who <laughs> who need me to like nurture them and yeah. I keep, you know, engaging in that same pattern of like over nurturing and under receiving, um, I'm also like starting to do that from a place of more and more worthiness yeah. and more and more self-validation. You know, I think it's kind of like the dark <clears throat> side of personal development too. Yeah. Is because all, since I've known you, you've always been like a voracious reader. Mm -hmm. You have journaled your entire life. Like yep. you're a very introspective person. And I think the, the kind of the dark side or the shadow side of personal development is that we expect that we can hold it down because we're doing yep. the work, right? Mm -hmm. So we just, so we're like, if something's going on in the relationship, we just turn to ourselves, which is a good practice, mm -hmm. but oftentimes it can be at the expense of your own self-care even. Yeah, because you're taking everything on. Right, because yeah. you're like, yeah. I got this, I got this, I got this. I'm this the capable person one. Yes. Yeah. isn't doing their work. They're not reading, you know, like. Yeah, but fuck that. Like ultimately, right. I deserve to be with somebody who is also working on themselves in those same ways. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like we all do. Yeah. So that was the lesson I think this time around. <laughs> you know, it's, and the lessons are evolving too. Yeah, they I mean, really are. And then like, you know, maybe a year from now, there's like this moment where you're like, oh, that's what that was about because you get new information yep. or you learn something new about yourself. And so I want to go back to two relationships ago. You were in, I would consider it to be like a, like a public relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked about this, like kind of, again, maybe the shadow side of like being in such a public relationship mm -hmm. and what that, especially being on social media together and, yeah. and people maybe mm -hmm. putting you up on this pedestal as like couple goals or, mm -hmm. so how did all of that kind of shake out? Like what was your experience dating someone who also had a personal brand Yeah, and then you're like, okay, things start going sideways 
there's so much that doesn't get talked about on social media. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's still so much that hasn't gotten talked about on social media. Well, um, all I'm saying is this isn't social media, but this <laughs> is a content well, platform. Before you even go into that, just to echo Jill's point, and I haven't known Nagar as long, but the one one time we got to really spend a lot of time together was New Year's Eve 2016. <laughs> you remember that night? Barely. <laughs> I remember everything that happened before midnight. <laughs> but um, Nagar and I shared a room together, and she was reading a book about depression because her partner was suffering from depression and I I, like she was really educating Mm. you were really educating Mm -hmm. yourself on how to better help that person and it does really speak (laughs) (laughs) but it does really speak to how you are the nurturer like uh, it wasn't like that's of course an amazing thing to do and I think that we did a, a podcast on depression and, and we were trying to say like, how do you help somebody? And that mm-hmm. like, how do you be a, how do you be a support? But you right. were doing so much, like you were reading books, trying to figure out <laughs> how you could, like how you could be better so that right. he could be okay. Right. And so it just goes, it just is like echoing, like you are that nurturer. You are the one who just takes it all on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's not to say it was the wrong thing to do. Right. Um, I think you have like so much empathy and understand, but. And yeah, maybe like to your own status. Maybe I mean, like to your own. Yeah. But yeah. also, I think what I'm really realizing through, especially this last breakup, is that like my the last the person that I just dated for the last almost two years really like always expected me to be fully grounded and yeah. f- and just holding it down. And yeah. so my masculine side has been so overworked to the point where like my back pain yeah. is a result of um of all like my right side being really tense and really out of whack and in Chinese medicine and in well in all Eastern medicine the right side is the masculine side Mm. and so like my my masculine is just doing all the work and being able to drop into my feminine is really like not a thing that I'm able to do receiving asking for help all those things I'm obviously able to do but it is more challenging for me and so this last relationship taught me that like bitch no like you can Mm -hmm. be fucking boss you Mm -hmm. can be that fucking bitch who like has it all together and like has your business and like runs your shit and I'm independent and all this other stuff. But also I deserve to be fucking nurtured. Yeah. Like, whereas my last partner, anytime we had any kind of discord in the relationship, it was always a result of me saying, Hey, I'm feeling kind of burnt out. I need you to pick up some slack. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm feeling a little emotionally vulnerable sensitive, tender. I need you to hold space for me. And his response was always like, I need you to, I'm also, but, but I'm also burnt out and I'm also experiencing these things. So I, I can't take yours on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but I'm capable of taking on both of ours. So why the fuck aren't you, you know? And so that was, I think that was like, that's really the overarching lesson, lesson for me in this relationship is that like, yes, you can be capable of handling shit, but also like if you're going to be in a relationship in a committed romantic relationship, then you need to be with someone who is like, yeah, I know that you can handle it. And also I'm here to help you handle it. Um, And I just haven't been with anyone or really opened myself up to that ability yet. And so I think that's really kind of the major thing that's coming through. It's so hard. Like um, asking for help is, I don't know why it's so fucking hard, but like this is in this last relationship, I was like, I mean, you know, when like I was single, I was like holding the shit down all the time. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't any support. There wasn't anyone to help. Yeah. And it's only been in this last relationship that I've been like feeling okay at having someone like yeah. take care of me a little bit. And it feels so fucking like vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it feels so like, I don't know, like are the strings attached? Like I get, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That yeah. masculine side like comes out. I'm like, I'll take care of it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's like almost like 
making yourself vulnerable is, I don't know, then you have, you have something even more to lose. Absolutely. But I really think that a healthy partnership is like one hand washes the other, you know, and it really yeah. needs to be that like give and take. Yeah. And not just take, take, take. Oh, totally. Like this last, in, in all in all of my last relationships, but especially this one, because in this relationship um, that just ended, I was the financial provider, the emotional provider, the energetic provider, mm-hmm. and held that person down financially, energetically, emotionally, mm-hmm. literally paid all the bills, mm-hmm. like, and allowed that person the space to like do what they needed to do yeah. and uh, and really didn't receive much of anything in return. And was just like, it's okay. And right. like you, you you convince yourself that yeah. like the crumbs, that Fair the enough. morsels are like, yep. that there's so, there's such good morsels <laughs> right. that, that like, up for it. it's okay. You know, you'll settle for it. And I don't think that that's, that's healthy for anyone. I think there definitely needs to be. And for sure there will be like times where one person is like giving way more than Seasons. the other and, it, and it'll ebb and flow. But like for the entirety of this relationship, it was really just me giving and, and thinking that eventually I would get a return on my investment. And, yeah. like, <laughs> I, and instead, when I asked for that return on the investment, he was just like, uh, you need stuff from me? Actually, I got to go. Right. <laughs> when you think about yeah. it, there's like kind of no incentive for him to do anything different when right. he's, you know, like, wh- I don't know. I mean, I enabled it. Actually, a big part of the healing process for me in this, like in the wake of this trauma and this heartbreak um, has been a lot. I've been doing a lot of Reiki and a lot of energy healing and I've been working with different healers, astrologers, Reiki practitioners, Chinese medicine. And it's the really cool thing about when you work with energy healers, tarot readers, anyone who does more energetic metaphysical work is that if you work with multiple healers, you will really start to, quote, believe in this stuff because everyone's channeling some variation of the same message. Mm-hmm. And they don't, maybe the, especially when they don't know you. Like the woman That's that I weird. saw today, yeah. I'd never met before. She didn't know anything about me. She didn't even know that I was a healer as well. And she channeled messages that were like, that the other Reiki healer that I worked with said the same things. And the yeah. astrologer that I work with said the same things. And the cool, well, the thing that's really been coming up is that, you know, all of these healers are like, you have like old shit mm-hmm. that you haven't processed that is like really putting you in this position of like continuing these patterns and they're all channeling these same messages. And uh, yeah. At what point, so right now I'm, I just did an episode on, on like therapy and counseling. Mm -hmm. At what point do you think, or would you suggest, or is it just, it doesn't matter. It's either or, or, and Mm -hmm. like where somebody does therapy versus going to see a healer or Reiki or physical. I do talk therapy as well. Yeah, I do talk therapy as well. And, uh, and do you think I, one replaces the other? I don't or? think so. I mean, energy healing is is very different. So I think it's important to talk about it. And a lot of energy healers will actually sit with you and process and talk with you as well. So I really like that more of a combination. Um, but I think that talk therapy is great because especially we don't live in a society that really values that ability to like talk about your problems. Mm-hmm. Like so many people's throat chakras are just completely blocked and they just like bottle it all up and don't talk about it. But a lot of that energy gets stored in the body. And we know this because like working with physical pain, like so much of physical pain is just stored energetic trauma and emotional trauma. And um, you can release that to an extent by talking about it, but really working with someone who is gifted in releasing that, that stored energy, I think is really important. I think that a combination, just like I believe that a combination of Western and Eastern medicine is the absolute best thing for you. Like if you, if I was diagnosed with cancer, I would be like, give me all the things, 
and like let's put together a plan that includes western and eastern medicine and the both both aspects of it i'm not going to just go eastern and say i'm going to refuse surgery or I'm going to refuse, like if they needed to remove a tumor, I'm not going to be like, no, the energy will just take it away. Like, <laughs> you know, I, yep. I'm going to do both. Yep. Um, and so I think that absolutely traditional therapy, a combination of, um, traditional therapy and energy healing is really fucking powerful. Yeah. And if you can find someone that does both, that's even, that's when even I moved to LA in the summer of 2015, that summer was just like such a shit show oh my it god was... it was the shittiest of shit shows <laughs> yeah so we drank so much sauvignon blanc oh my god <laughs> like <laughs> i didn't want to think about it no it was so much it was um i look back on that summer and it was like i was so heartbroken and you were going through a lot of relationship stuff too i was that was the first time that uh that that my ex-husband and i got separated Yes. It was right around that and same time. And we were going to salsa classes. We were yeah. We going out all the time. Yeah. We were like, yeah, we were just constantly like, we we're constantly drinking. And it was, as much as it was heartbreaking, it was also such a period of like growth and learning Absolutely. and connection and for our friendship. And so kind of take us through that. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Or like, how have you dealt with that in the past? Like any of your, like the relationship stuff that came up, let's just say with your ex-husband. Mm-hmm. In terms of the healing process? Yeah. Um, what the way that I went through that breakup was very different than the way that I'm going through this one. Um, because I was still like numbing a lot then. Um, that was a really interesting thing that came up for me this go around during this breakup was that I think I had really kind of worked through my relationship with alcohol and I have not been reaching for alcohol as a coping mechanism. Don't get me wrong. I'll still have like a glass or two of wine, but I'm not like I need to have wine because I don't want to experience the sticky feelings, feelings and think about yeah. it. Yeah. And so that going through everything with my ex-husband, there was a lot of coping with alcohol, um, which I think was what I needed at the time. So I'm not like um, demonizing it at all. Like I think it's absolutely what needed to happen for me at the time. And a lot of connections with people like you, um, with girlfriends, with people who were there to just like hear you out and hold space for you and like let you vent and and really, I think that people who are willing to just like hear you say the same things over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. you do those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just like be there with you because it's circular, right? Like healing is not a linear process. So you're absolutely going to be revisiting a lot of the same complaints and a lot of the same like, how did this happen? And, you know, rehashing things sure. over and over again. So I think being able to trust that that the people in my life were willing to sit with me and hear me talk about the same shit over and over again was really powerful. I did do a lot of talk therapy. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, we, we, had, the same we had the same therapist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's amazing. Yeah. So I did a lot of talk therapy that was extremely helpful. Um, and, and I did couples therapy at the time. We did couples therapy at the time, but it didn't work because he was lying about everything. <laughs> therapy. Listen, folks, therapy yeah. only works if you tell the truth. <laughs> Therapy doesn't work if you lie to your therapist. Like, that's just not going to work. And yeah. he, he was just lying to himself. So. Oh, yeah. And everyone else. So, yeah, talk therapy was very helpful. And we did couples therapy as well, which looking back was a really just a waste of my money. Um, <laughs> uh, and she actually attempted to do some one-on-one sessions with him and uh, and later on, like uh, like, opted out of that because she knew that he wasn't – he was wasting her time. Yeah. Because he wasn't telling the truth. Yeah. And she was just like, I can't help somebody who's not going to tell me the truth. Um, so I did a lot of that. And I will say that like uh, every time I go through some level of upheaval like this, my um, my artwork really kind of levels up. My writing levels up. My my 
uh, illustrated art, my visual art levels up. And I hate that like that has to come at the result of pain, like, you know, at the expense of pain. But I mean, I guess art is just pain. (laughs) <laughs> and pain is just art you know I, I should be a, a really, really good really artist by now and never uh, <laughs> created any fucking thing yeah. except I like, was like dang if I could only <laughs> no you created Life AF yeah and yeah. I created the mind, Radical exactly. Responsibility Mindset Makeover I, I think guess. that the three of us have that in common in yeah. that like when you are like whenever the shit is hitting the fan you just go okay yep. I'm gonna feel all of this and I'm gonna like fucking feel the sticky things and I'm gonna honor it and I'm not gonna like I'm gonna grieve it and I'm yep. gonna experience it but I also need to channel my energy into something that makes mm-hmm. me feel productive yes. and makes me feel like have a sense of purpose. Because yep. otherwise you think you become hopeless. Yeah. Yes. And hopelessness is not a space that you ever want to occupy. It's not cute. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, it's not cute at all. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's um, the thing is that, and what I really appreciated about you, um, well, both of you really, um, you both inspire me because even when you have, you know, your pain and your processing and you have your hurts and stuff like that, you're always taking action. Yeah. Like you're always like, okay, cool. What puts me in my, what's going to put me in my power. Absolutely. And then there's always a sense of progress. I think all of us have that, have a friend or we know someone who like literally is dealing with the exact same shit, complaining about the exact same things, like five years later, 10 years mm-hmm. later, you know, can't move on from a relationship that ended 15 years ago. Yeah. And what I've always appreciated about both of you is that it's been very much been like, okay, cool, but what's next? Yeah. Like, yes, and I'm feeling this, but also like, what the but fuck is next? The fuck because is next. I this space is unacceptable. I got to keep moving. Yeah. And I think that, you know, especially as a mom, a business owner, like, look, you got a lot of shit that you have I to take have care of. I don't have the luxury of falling apart. You don't. And so I need to allow myself to break open and yep. I need to honor that, but I cannot fall apart. It's not a luxury I have. I don't have a safety net. I don't have like stable uh financially supportive parents yeah like i'm almost 37 and i have a 13 year old kid and i run my own business and i pay my own rent and i pay my own car note and like and you live in the most expensive city yeah i need to not Uh, (laughs) yeah you know like i just don't have that luxury of being like well i guess i'm just not gonna get out of bed today and i literally like right now because i am like in acute heartbreak and trauma right now and i literally have to like tell myself to get out of bed every morning and I'm just like, bitch, just get out of bed and don't have to worry about anything else. You just have to get out of bed. And once you do that, then you can do the next thing. And then the next mm-hmm. thing I do is I open the curtains and I'm standing there like letting the sun wash over the room. And I'm like, OK, you open the curtains. Now go make the coffee. Mm-hmm. And I go make the coffee. And I don't worry about the next Thanks thing until it. I'm done with a thing before it. And that's pretty much how I get through every day. And I'm writing like crazy and I'm drawing like crazy. And I have like six projects in the works right now. Yeah. But I'm also like crying myself to sleep every night. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. and those two things can coexist. They do. Yep. Yeah. You know, they have to. Yep. No, I love that you shared that. I think um, like the crying yourself to sleep is also an important part of the process. Mm-hmm. Like you can get up and you can avoid it by you can put yourself instead of alcohol, you could just go crazy into work. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to avoid mm-hmm. it, but you are doing work, but you're also still allowing yourself to right. cry and talk through it mm-hmm. and go through all the things. So I know we kind of talked at the beginning about your um your marriage ending. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I think are in a space of um maybe they're with somebody who maybe they have narcissistic maybe they they have depression maybe they have some mental health stuff so they're trying to be that like how you how when I met you you were like trying to help like Mm -hmm. okay he has some mental health issues and so I'm trying to help him but at what point do you go I can't do this anymore like 
I love this person, but I have to end it. Like, was there a big thing that happened or yeah. did you just go, I have to choose me? Because I think a lot of people are in the, like, they want to make the marriage work mm-hmm. for the sake of the marriage. Yeah. They love the person, even though the person is sucking the life out of them. Yeah. When do you just go, I can't do this anymore? And yeah. like, how did that look for you? Um, it was very gradual. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really like a, an incident necessarily, especially because throughout the entirety of our marriage, um, my ex at one point or another had a separate relationship, had like an a, like a steady girlfriend mm-hmm. that he hid from me mm-hmm. and I say throughout the entirety because they were aren't they weren't it wasn't just one person it was like mm-hmm. multiple extramarital relationships wherein he had told these people that uh I was his ex-wife or that we had an open marriage there were all these like very deeply manufactured Lies. Nice. Wow. Um, and there was a lot of suspicion that caused a lot of discord throughout the marriage. Um, but there was no like concrete proof. Mm-hmm. And even that concrete proof didn't come until after we we got separated. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't like a moment where it was just like, I'm done. It was absolutely gradual. And I think it was like you I reached I reached my my point of being able to like bleed for this person. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that shifted for me was when I realized that I was only staying in the marriage because I was convinced that if I didn't stay in the marriage, that he would cause self-harm. And that was when I was just like, whoa, like that is fucked up on so many levels because not only is that like not a reason to stay with somebody, but also the fact that this person has abused me and manipulated me to the point where I believe that I am the reason why they're still alive. Yeah. And like, but this is really, this is really common. I I have a girlfriend who's her husband got caught cheating again. And as soon as he found, she found out they had this big fight and then suddenly he was like, I'm just going to go kill myself. And the kids don't need me. Yeah. The the kids don't need me. And then she brings back and I was like, that's manipulating you. So how, how did you get out of that? Cause what if he did something you were like, I'm over it. And then he did do something like, how, yeah. how did you unravel that? Because it is like a deeply manipulative tactic. Mm-hmm. But that's – and even when you're realizing it, it's like, but what do I do? Because he actually might still do that. Yeah. Like, how did you – I don't think that I did even until like months and months after we got um, separated. Mm-hmm. I think that it was like even after we got separated, yeah. I was still holding a lot of energetic space for him. We were still yeah. talking on the phone all the time. You know, he moved back to New York um, and I stayed in L.A., and, you know, all this time he's living with his girlfriend in New York, but not telling me. Wow. So like, <laughs> but using me as like his energetic and yeah. like emotional support system. Um, and I think that I had to, um, I really don't think that it was, and this is going to sound really bad, but I think everyone can relate to this. I don't think that it was until I slept with someone else mm-hmm. that I like started to allow that to unravel. Yeah. Because he had such a stronghold. I mean, we were together for five years. Yeah. Um, and there was so much manipulation. And they say, like, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone yeah. else. <laughs> so I think that once I allowed that, like, different energy, and it's not it's not just about sex. It's about, yeah. like, allowing that intimacy, intimacy yeah. with another person. Um, it kind of, like, snaps you out of it and allows you to see things with a little bit more clarity. Yeah. I think, too, just the time away because yeah. he moved back to New York and then – even though we were still in a lot in communication on a regular basis, we didn't see each other for six to eight months. Mm-hmm. And so being not, not sharing a physical space was very helpful. Yep. 
Uh, I wish I could say that there was like some kind of like, this is the way to do it. But it really was just a matter of like, I watched a lot of videos about sociopathy and narcissism. Yeah. You had mentioned that earlier. So like, that's one of the things that we have got a good amount of questions about like, how do you know if you're dating a narcissist? What are some of the signs and symptoms like, and would you categorize your ex-husband as an narcissist? Absolutely. I'm 99% convinced. And the only reason I don't say 100% is because I'm not a psychiatrist. But I am like 99% convinced that he is a sociopathic. And what does that look like? So sociopathy is like an inability to empathize. Mm -hmm. It is like you, you are able to commit like heinous acts against people and just hurt people and traumatize people without remorse. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is like, and they say that like one in 10 people are, well, I think one in 10 narcissists and maybe one in 25 sociopaths, Um, which is why I guess I've gotten them all. all (laughs) All of my exes are narcissists. Uh, I actually think all, but maybe like one or two. For sure. And in my adult life, like my past three relationships, they've all been but different kinds. Yeah. So you think, oh, yeah. I finally didn't pick a narcissist. Yeah. Turns out you did. Also, I don't fuck with Aries men anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just like as a, you know, like Aries are like high, high level fucking narcissists. Oh, Not all Aries, but there's just like a high percentage yeah. of Aries narcissists. Good thing. Both um, Jill and I don't date Aries, so we're good. Don't no. fuck yeah. with Aries. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, funny. <laughs> so funny. So sociopathy so the so there's a lot of resources on this and there's this one doctor whose name I forget but um maybe we can link it in the comments after I look it up but she does these really amazing videos on YouTube about like narcissism and sociopathy and and, um psychopathy and the differences between them and how to spot those differences and that really helped me a lot and obviously I read a lot of books about it too um but the main difference between sociopathy and psychopathy is that um there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. in psychopaths and sociopaths right they both lack empathy Mm -hmm. they're both able to like do things that are potentially dangerous and harmful and not really feel badly about Mm -hmm. it and just like move on with their lives um psychopathy is a born trait and sociopathy is an inherited trait is it an ice cream man yeah every single person who has a loud ass noise is coming by the window right now (laughs) we have a dump truck we have construction and we have an ice cream cream truck um so yeah so you're born a psychopath. So typically if someone is diagnosed with psychopathy, it has to happen like before mm. like puberty, mm. essentially. Um, versus sociopathy is an inherited trait. It's a learned trait that mm. usually has its root in some kind of childhood trauma. Mm. Um, and so most people, and so it's like they say hurt people hurt, hurt people, people, right? It's like unprocessed trauma. And so most people who experience sociopathy are people who have experienced some kind of like high level potentially high level trauma as yeah. a child yeah. and it has like flipped that switch. And yeah. if they do, they do like brain scans on people yeah. who are born psychopaths and the, the center of your brain that lights up when you feel empathy, like that shit doesn't light up for them. Mm. And so that's really like what makes a sociopath, right? If you feel like you've dated somebody who like, like this most recent ex um, who just can like bounce and just be like, I don't have any feelings about the end of this relationship and I'm just going to burn it down and start over with my life. And like, they don't have any empathy for your experience. Mm-hmm. They don't sit with you to emotionally process your pain. And they're not just like, you're, they're probably a sociopath. Yeah. Uh, because they just don't, yeah. they just don't have the ability to empathize. Yeah. yeah. Um, narcissists tend to hate themselves, but, they process that like self-loathing and self-deprecation by an inflated sense of ego. 
an inflated self, sense of self-importance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really interesting thing with narcissists. It's like they value themselves above others, but they also like deep down really don't like themselves. Yeah. Which is such an, it's, it sounds contradictory, but like no, it makes it total sense. makes total mm-hmm. sense, right? So narcissists tend to um, be very selfish and make everything about them. Right. Uh, They also tend to only surround themselves with either people that they feel can elevate their status or people that they feel are beneath their status that they can control. Mm -hmm. So they're very rarely going to find somebody who is like on their level. Yeah. um, Because then that's going to be a mirror. Yeah. Right. And then they're going to be exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's like one thing to look for in narcissism for sure. Um, I'm saying all this from personal experience. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I am simply just saying this from my own personal experience and my own research. Um, but that is one of the major traits of narcissism is like, um, an obsession with status, with fame, with, um, how you appear on the outside. So being overly obsessed with like how other people see you and wanting that to be, um, you know, very, very high. There's a lot of self-importance. Um, there's a lot of believing that like they are special and more special than other people. Mm. Um, and so there's a big difference between like we talk a lot about when we talk about women identifying people, like really taking up more space and like not existing in a world that tries to keep you small. Um, but that space isn't meant to be in, in place of someone else's space. Right. You know, it's like you can love yourself and value yeah. yourself without feeling that you're more important than another person. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is healthy self-love and yep. that is healthy self-acceptance and all of that. That's a that's a healthy sense of self-worth. Narcissists have an inflated sense of self-worth that that results in superiority mm-hmm. um, and can often result in them looking for partners who they either can control, right, that mm-hmm. are like beneath them mm-hmm. so that it elevates them or people who can elevate their status is usually... It's so interesting. I feel like, obviously, I know the word narcissism, like, have known it my entire life, but I feel like in the last couple of years, there's been, a, like, a lot of talk around this mm-hmm. from a relational standpoint. Yeah. And it feels, and I wonder if it's just, like, the millennial crowd. Like, I mean, it, I don't want to say, like, obviously, it's a huge generalization, but the idea of, like, entitlement. And it yeah. feels like that goes, that's very similar to what you described, which is, I make everything about me because deep down I feel such deep insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I deserve this. I'm entitled to this, mm-hmm. you know? And so do you feel like, I mean, I just try and think about like my grandparents, like they just didn't have time for narcissism. Like they were just like, I have <laughs> exactly. seven mouths to well, feed. Well, like, narcissism is, I think, I think a cultural uh, phenomenon. Yeah. I don't think, I'm sure that, you know, narcissism and, and sociopathy, these things have always existed, right. but they are learned behaviors. Yeah. And hundred percent, like that is a result of the world that we live in. Yeah. Right. And social cu- media, and culturally, social media. There's so much of it that is, uh, like you said, your grandparents, they didn't have time like I have seven shit. mouths to feed. Like I have time exactly. to like give a shit about myself. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yes. that's dysfunctional in itself, but right, still, right. yeah, but for like, different reasons. It wasn't this like, oh, this relationship is not making me feel like the most important person in the world. So I'm going to burn it down and keep it pushing. You yeah. know, like that yeah. wasn't the way things work. What is, is there something attractive? I'm just interested in your opinion about someone who's a narcissist. Like there's, it's kind of compelling. Narcissists tend to be extremely careful. And uh, people are attracted to that. I mean, Charles Manson, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. cult leaders, yeah. like these yeah. types of people, they're very attractive. They're usually extreme. Look at fucking Ted Bundy. Yep. They're extremely charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, they know how to make other people feel like they're the most special person in the mm. world. They know how to make you feel special. They know how to make you feel love. They'll put you up on a pedestal, but they'll also take it away mm. in, an, in an instant. That's a controlling piece. Yeah. In and it's very controlling. And so as long because they always have to have the power. Yeah. Right. And so they're not making you feel special because yeah. they because they love you 
maybe they do love you in in, in the way that they can, in the way that they're capable of. But it's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. It's about how loving you reflects on them. So it mm. always comes back to them. Yeah. Um, and so we're attracted to them because they are highly charismatic, because they can walk into a room like they own it, because they can, you know, they can hold an audience, because yeah. they're great storytellers, because they're, you know, they're great um, in social situations, yeah. and because they really have a way of, like, making it seem as though things are magical and, like, really lighting everything up. Mm-hmm. I think you that's know? the piece that can make it so hard to leave one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a girlfriend – sounds really similar describing this guy and she's like well whenever we're together he's really great but then sometimes he can be really mean yeah and but then it's like this roller coaster he has her on and you know from the outside you could just be like girl you don't deserve to have anyone treat you mean Mm -hmm. but she's in it she's in it and um and he's seeing other people and she knows that and it's just like I don't what would you Need, maybe what would you have needed to hear or what could you say if you have a friend that you see they're like this is not a good relationship you could see this person is stringing them along you could mm-hmm. see he or she whoever the relationship is with has this narcissistic tendencies and you want to like quote unquote save your friend mm-hmm. is there anything you could do or say to that person that could help them like realize Step it or out get them it out or- yeah I mean, there are a lot of resources on narcissism that you can point people towards. Mm-hmm. And there's even like Instagram accounts now all dedicated to narcissism <laughs> and like narcissism education. Because I think the most important thing to recognize is that like um, in all of my research, um, experts tend to agree that narcissism cannot be like reversed mm-hmm. or healed or changed. And that like typically um, you can theoretically be in a relationship with a narcissist if you have certain characteristics that will also allow that to be a relationship um but the narcissist has to admit to the narcissist yeah they have to it's just like an alcoholic has to admit that they have a problem before Mm -hmm. there can be any level of healing right and so the chances of that happening tend to be very low they actually say that the narcissist can have relationships with other narcissists. <laughs> I'm more important. Yeah. No, I'm no me. <laughs> uh, because in that case, you know, nobody really ends up feeling like the victim. Yeah. So I think that be, just being able to be faced with it and mm-hmm. that like you can't change this person. Yeah. And that like no matter what, like I think for me a lot of it was just like, well, if I keep doing this and if I keep supporting – in these emotional ways and I keep supporting in these energetic ways, then he will see my value yeah. and then give me what I want in return. Mm-hmm. But we have to see our own value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just not, I mean, I wish I knew what to say. Yeah. I yeah. wish I knew like how to like help somebody out of it. I will say that um, for me, both of my past two relationships with like, I don't know so much about this most recent ex. There's definitely narcissistic tendencies mm-hmm. and sociopathic tendencies. So I'm not really convinced just there because I'm still processing it. Mm -hmm. But with both of these partners, you know, um, it took a lot of accepting that I couldn't make it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That like I still was the one trying to consistently make it work. And when that person like didn't want to make it work anymore, that's pretty much how the That's so interesting. I wonder about you had mentioned earlier about like when a relationship goes sideways, sometimes we can take it on and not feel good enough as a result of that mm. quote failure air quotes. Did you feel moments of shame or embarrassment 
at at all being like okay like why did I I mean I know for me like I beat myself up a lot about my my ex-husband's affair Mm -hmm. which was unwarranted so did you have moments where like you had to catch yourself being like okay like blaming yourself or even feeling bad that you didn't recognize it sooner or that you stayed in it long I definitely did not blame myself for any of the cheating um because like I mean, look at me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, exactly. I definitely didn't feel like I wasn't valuable as a partner and that, like, I wasn't giving – I never had that feeling of, like, well, if I had only been better, maybe he cheated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thankful for that because at the point where all of that came to light, I had done a lot of that work of, like, self-worth and all of that so that I was able to know, like, okay, it's not that – it doesn't mean that it doesn't still sting and that you don't have those moments of just like, why wasn't I good enough? And then you go, bitch, you are good enough. Um, <laughs> I definitely felt shame in not um, like recognizing the behaviors. And because I see myself as like such a um, energetically and spiritually evolved person. And my gift is when I work with clients is being able to see like right to the heart of their mm-hmm. matter and like snapping them out of it and be like, yep. And that I allowed myself to be abused and I allowed myself to be neglected and allowed myself to like endure all these like really painful things. Um, I had to work through letting go of that. I know it's such a tricky space to be in because like on one hand you do have the knowledge, but you're like, okay, why can't I fucking help myself? But I love the fact that like you just turned it around so fast. Like you can, you can definitely have the awareness and you're like, okay, shame, embarrassment, guilt, all these things don't fucking help. Yeah. They just like, it's just a distraction from like the real point. Well, we just had Amy Young um, right before you came in. She's a uh, she's relationship not a dating coach. coach, relationship coach, dating coach, yeah, and uh, coach for single women. And she said her her dad's a coach as well, and and said to her like, when you choose this work, you're basically calling in this kind of like your mess because yeah. she's like had a lot of messy relationships, and now she's coaching people on that. So, yep. do you feel like in a way the universe is giving you all of this to make you a better healer, a better coach? Oh, absolutely. Better, yeah. I mean, I fucking hate it. Yeah, but like, <laughs> so fucking worse. Absolutely. I will say that my work as a healer and as an artist has evolved so much in both of these breakups. Mm-hmm. So, however many years ago when it was with my ex husband. That was probably like a major catalyst that shifted my entire um, writing style and the way that I channeled myself into my work. And it was really interesting because Jill mentioned like, how did you deal with it on social media? Yeah. Um, I like didn't deal with it. Um, And that was because I was just like, I'm not going to do this whole like conscious uncoupling thing. Yeah. Uh, Because that would mean that I would have to come out here and tell you all the things that he did. Yeah. And all the ways that he was despicable. And that is in part my story to tell. Um, and for sure, like, it has come out in, like, some of my work. But I didn't want But you didn't, like, hold, like, a press conference. I didn't want to hold a press conference. <laughs> I also didn't want to dwell on it. Right. Um, because I needed to just move on with my life. And then secondarily, because when I did find out about all of the actual truth of what he did, I was already at that point, because I found out about it like almost a year later. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was already in another committed relationship, this one that just ended. And so out of respect for my partner at the time, I was like, I'm not going to keep talking about this on social media. So such an interesting thing to be like, I never really felt like I got that closure. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of just fizzled out. Uh, Did you have a lot of people asking you on social media? Oh my God. And it's like, honestly, I get that it's part of being like a public person, but also it's fucking hella rude. Like people would literally 
DM me and be like, what's going on <laughs> with your marriage? Because I noticed that you're here and he's there. And I'm like, you know what? If you have those thoughts, <laughs> that's cool. And if you want to like stalk my social media and like look for breadcrumbs, like, right. yeah. try, try to, to put figure the puzzle out. pieces together. I have no problem with that because we've all, we've been all done it. But, but like you, you get to the next level when you're going to like actually DM me and ask me. Right. Because yeah. you have to assume that if that's happening in a person's life, they're probably in a really tender place. Yeah. And I don't know you. <laughs> and I know you think you know me. Right. Because like this relationship is kind of one sided. Mm-hmm. But like I'm talking about this with my closest friends and my therapist and my energy healers, yeah. not with strangers. Yeah. Um, that was really frustrating. Um, I guess I've just never wanted to know an answer that badly. No. You know what I mean? Like, there's definitely people who I'd be interested you're in. You're curious. Like, oh. you're like, yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I wonder We've what's up with that. We've seen that post together. Back. Like, yeah. you do just casually. But then you move on with your life. Right. Yeah. But then you yeah. just, like, send and it then, later. And then a few months don't. later, you see him with someone <laughs> just, new. Yeah. You, then, then you just, just don't think about it anymore. Later, you see him with someone new and you're like, Cool. Oh, okay. I was. I thought that happened, but you yeah. don't say any, and you don't even go DM them like, "Hey, I thought I knew." It's like you just don't say anything. I know it's very strange. <laughs> it's very strange behavior, and it's actually been happening to me these past couple weeks. I was gonna ask you about that in, a in this bit. recent breakup as well, where people are messaging and just being like, "Whatever you're going through." Or like, it seems like you're going through something. And I'm like, bitch, you'll know when you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, also just allow me to be a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yes, I am a person on the internet who like offers these services and offers this work. But also like, I need my privacy in order to heal. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to not have this be a very public Um. So that kind of just like eventually it was like, okay, do you have your answer now by the fact that I haven't posted about this person in six months? Right. Like Mm -hmm. there's your answer. We've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of people recently going through infidelity and then talking about it on social media like immediately. I can't do that. And it's so strange. I mean, to me, it's like, cool, if that's like your jam and you're ready to share. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. it took me a year and a fucking half to even email my list about it. I was like, these are my like Mm -hmm. inner circle, like best super fans already on my team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like social media up for like public. Yeah. uh, You know, consumption. Yeah, exactly. So it's just interesting to see how everyone kind of processes it at at different rates and then shares at a different pace too. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any right or wrong. No, but I think it just just, has to be whatever is right for you. For me, I've always been a person who has to like process. And I also like when my, this most recent ex and I started dating, we were dating for several months before I was public about it. Yep. You know, like I'm very, I'm a very private person in that sense. What I will say is that when I went through the first breakup um, with my husband, my ex-husband, um, however many years ago, that was like, uh, that was a, there was a distinct level up in my writing and in like the, like the, just sort of the energy that I put into my writing kind of shifted. And without even talking about like, hey, I'm going through this thing. Um, and this is what's happening in my life and I'm processing upheaval, et cetera. I, for the course of several months would get messages from people, comments from people on social media, et cetera, going, girl, I don't know if it's just me, but something's shifted in your writing lately and it's really fucking powerful. Mm-hmm. Or like, I don't know if, if, um, if I'm off base by saying this, but it really feels like something shifted in you and like whatever it is that you're writing, it's really like the people will be like, I've always loved your writing, but this is like next level stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that process of evolution really happened for me. That was like, uh, like I unlocked a level, you know, unlocked a portal. Um, and it's happening again. Mm -hmm. So that's really what happens for me in the face of like heartbreak and trauma is like my artistry. It's not even 
intentional. Mm-hmm. It's not like, well, I'm going to be a better writer now. It's just <laughs> yeah. like yep. that whatever is happening with me energetically just becomes very potent. My magic just levels up. Yeah. And I hate it. And I feel like, is this what I'm doing? De- and I try not <laughs> to put this out into the universe, right. but I'm just like, is this it? Am I just going to like keep getting my heart broken? Because that's what makes me a more powerful artist and like mm-hmm. a more powerful healer. And like, I don't want that. That's not what I want for yep. myself. Yep. So moving forward, what is, I mean, if you're looking to be in a new relationship, I know you're still healing, but yeah. like, what are some distinct, maybe tangible differences that you might be doing this time? Yeah. Around? So I, you know, we all have our boxes that we want people to check off. And this last X, um, list weights. Yeah, you have to. You <laughs> I mean, have like, Danny's But you can't just lift weights. Like, for me, it's really, like, CrossFit. Yeah. It's, like, you have to do CrossFit because, like, CrossFit's its own thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't have anything in common with bodybuilders. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you like, bodybuilding and CrossFit, I'm just, like, I can't. Yeah. Like, no, it doesn't work for me. Uh, I'm willing to waive that one uh, to an extent. But you have to fucking be fit. Yes. Like, yes. And that's Same. not even – it's it's partially it's aesthetic. Yeah. It's partially aesthetic, which we all have aesthetic preferences, mm-hmm. right? I am attracted to muscular bodies. Um, but it's also it, – it's it's also com- compatibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also lifestyle. Yeah, right? value system. Yep. It's like if you – it's value system. If you don't value this, like – because I value it so much and it CrossFit is huge part of my life yeah um like my crossfit family is like another family that i have um and anyone who does crossfit knows all you do is talk about crossfit so like (laughs) i don't i couldn't i could i wouldn't have anything in common with someone who didn't lift right yeah you know what i mean totally um but i had all these boxes and and this this most recent ex he checked off all those boxes i tend to not be attracted to white men um i prefer brown men of some variety um, I like tattoos because I have a lot of tattoos. Um, I don't like tall men. Yeah, you like short guys. I like short guys. I'm short. Um, and I like – and the things that I want to experience sexually are better experienced with someone whose height is more similar to mine. <laughs> you know? It's really it's tough. And like, yeah, I so all these like, short bitches out there who are like commandeering the tall dudes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Leave the Match. tall guys for the tall girls. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a matching. Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely or the am short not. guys that who are like all the, everybody yeah. only wants of tall girls that I enjoy <laughs> that can only be done with people of a similar size. Well, y'all know what I mean. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, you Honestly, fit better, man. If somebody's too tall. It's just like now, how's this gonna work? Yeah, no, it's a lot. It's not gonna work. Um, <laughs> yeah, over five ten, even five ten is pushing. Uh, but over five ten, it's just like you're off. So like I had all these boxes, right? And the, you can't just here's the thing, and here's where I start to get a little bit freaked out because I'm just like, does this person exist? Because I thought that I had found that perfect mm-hmm. person who checked off the CrossFit box and also is an artist, mm-hmm. yep. um, and also is like really in- intelligent, also has the same taste in music and movies and art and culture. He also had a kid, and I have a kid, mm-hmm. and so that was really special to me because yep. I had mm-hmm. always been the person with the kid yeah. in the relationship, and then now we were the people with the family, right. not like you know what I mean. Yeah. Which was that was really special for me, um, you know, and 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 just like. Um, Physically, I was attracted to him. Like he checked off all the boxes, but I realized through this past relationship and this breakup that there's another box, and that box is financial stability. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is not one. And I'm not saying like I need. Um, I only fuck with rich dudes. Right. Like that's not it at all. But like you got to kind of be grounded and stable because I'm realizing that like a lot of the stuff for me that comes up in terms of stability and security, like all my childhood stuff. 
is about like a lack of um, financial stability because yeah, yeah. financial stability means like stability in the home, yeah. yep. stability in the relationship. And I carried this relationship financially right. and yeah. that was way too much pressure. Yeah. Yep. It's way too totally. much pressure for one person, for one fucking self-employed 36-year-old woman yep. to be taking care of the whole family yep. Yep. and not get any help. Yeah. I think um, it's so important. I think sometimes we feel shame over saying like, I want to be with yep. someone who has money. Yep. I mean, I don't need like a sugar daddy. That's but why like, it was never one of the boxes before, yeah, but it's right. one of the boxes now. But you know what? And like you're a grown ass man. You should be mm-hmm. able to, you should be financially I need like, you to chip in. You should be paying half supported. the rent. Why the fuck for two years am I the one paying all the rent? I was watching the Whitney Cummings um, stand up last night and she was like, she was saying something about like, um, you know, all these dudes are really worried about gold diggers. Yeah. And she's like, how about just date a grown ass woman who has a fucking job? Who's right. fucking take care of shit? Like, exactly. why are you dating 18 year old? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just how about date someone who is a grown ass adult and is making a steady income? And can hold their own. Yeah. You know, and then you become a team and a partnership and yes. not like one person. I don't just think it's too much to ask for a man so. to have a job. Yeah. Like, so well, he had I mean, a job. Well, my, my, my <laughs> ex, like my ex, when we split, I was really kind of carrying everything financially yeah, as well. And I remember when he tried to come back. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't working and my mom, Mm-mm. you know, we, and I wanted to make it work, but I, when he tried to come back, I was like, I need these three things. I need you to get a job, yeah. move out of your dad's house and go to counseling. And I remember my mom being like, well, don't be so hard on him. <laughs> and I was going, these <laughs> I was the like, bare minimum. I'm like, yeah, I was like, these are just the things. I was like, mom, if I just brought home a guy that I just met and you were like, what does he do? I'm like, well, he He's doesn't unemployed. work and he lives with his dad. You would tell me to run. Yeah. So what, <laughs> why is this a thing that I'm like, we're, yeah. we're giving him a pass. Yeah. So I think <laughs> the minimum for them to be able to handle their own yeah. shit, it's, that's not a big thing to ask. No, it's not it's actually, really not. it's actually the first box that needs to be checked yeah. actually. The, and, and that, and this relationship really taught me that if anything, yeah. like, it, I mean, I've learned so many things in yeah. the wake of this trauma, but like one of the major things is that like going forward, mm-hmm. I am not even going to allow myself to be interested. I mean, we can fuck, but yeah, like, right. that's, different. that's yeah. it. I'm not even going to allow myself yeah. to consider you as a viable partner yeah. if you are not financially stable, if you don't have a job, if you're not paying your own rent. But historic- if you're not, you know what I mean? Historically and biologically, the male's the provider. They're the hunter. They're the ones going out. Right. Like, So it's also a legit thing to ask for. I don't think that it's, um, I mean, I know we're like in a different time period and like women and men have, have more like not competing roles, but they, they, I mean, gender roles are not, yeah, but it's like, you know, if the guy, I don't know, it's not about he has to be the provider to take care, but he needs to be able to provide for his own fucking self. Exactly. (laughs) And so I think my mistake in this relationship was that I was just like, okay, well I'm going to provide for this person for a time yeah, because the thing that they want to do in their life, like he thinks he's going to go to the CrossFit games, which let's be honest, nobody's going to the CrossFit games. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's not happening. That should be their, their new slogan. (laughs) No one goes. Yeah. You're not not getting here. You're not going to go. But like, that's his dream. And he's a CrossFit coach. And like, um, you know, I tried to help him in so many ways. I, I, I fucking created a website for him. Um, I created sales funnels. I showed him how, like here, let's sit down. Let me show you how to do online coaching. Like all these ways to try to help him create more financial stability in his life. Sure. But what it really came down to that all he cares about is competing in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's in the fitness industry knows yep. like that means you're broke. Yeah. 
unless you have hella sponsorships. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know what I mean? Yep. Like this is not a situation. It's so, a full-time job. Training for the CrossFit game is a full-time job. It's a full-time job. Yeah. So um, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> my point being that like I saw it as, hey, you know what? For a period of time, I can hold it down right. because yep. I, yeah. because this is your dream. Yep. And yep. I'm already living my dream. Yeah. Is yep. the thing. Yeah. You know, I love doing CrossFit. I'm actually doing my first competition next month. Dude, he, I saw that. Where he's going to be as well. Because we both qualified for this competition when we were together. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I think he thinks I'm not going to go. No, no you're going to go. go. I'm fucking going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're going to go. I'm fucking going. But, um, you know, I care about CrossFit and yep. it's fun for me. And yeah. it's like a really, it's a huge hobby. It's not just like a side hobby. Yeah. It's a huge hobby. Um, But it's not my dream. Yeah. I'm already living my dream. Yeah. And so I saw this as I have, I'm living my dream. I'm doing all the things I want to do. I'm writing, I'm, you know, reading tarot, I'm drawing. I'm like any project that I want to make mm-hmm. exist in reality. You do. I do it. Yeah. Um, and you're over here going after your dream and your dream means that like you aren't going to make as much money because yeah. you have to dedicate majority of your life to training, to fucking training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cooked his food and I organized everything into macros and, yeah. You know, would like nurse him back to health when he had injuries yeah. and bought him weightlifting shoes because he couldn't afford to buy new weightlifting shoes. I mean, we could go on forever because I saw this as I have an opportunity it's to an support investment. this person yeah. I love yeah. in going after their dream. And sure. eventually the, yeah. the scales will tip. Yeah. But that's not what happened. Right. Yeah. And so now I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're yeah. going to find this out on the first date. Like, I don't know if you saw that meme that I shared the other day that was like a... <laughs> A first date question, like, oh yeah, are you aware of your childhood traumas, (laughs) and And what are you doing? Are you actively working to fix them so that you don't project that shit onto me? That's not a joke. No, No. it's not a joke. Yeah, that's not a fucking joke. And also, like, are you financially stable? Like, these are all the new things that I'm like, okay, I can't just get swept away, you know, with some good dick because good dick is a dime a dozen. (laughs) Like, let's be honest, if dick work, dick works. (laughs) Yeah. We did tell that story on that. Oh, have we ever told Dick that story? Dick don't work? No, we haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Dick don't work. You've never told that story? No. Nope. I mean, how could you tell it without me, though? Dang. No, that was the funniest. So I made a couple of bad decisions. Well, no. I come mean, on. I was just in the aftermath. If you didn't make that decision, we wouldn't have Dick don't work as one of our slogans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so applicable <laughs> so to everything. To Not just an actual You gave dick, us a gift. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So a couple of years ago, I had mentioned this on the podcast. I I just was I was on a little bit of a breadcrumb diet. In the aftermath of my ex husband's infidelity, I was literally like, I don't know what league I'm in. So like anyone who gave me attention, who was like semi attractive, I was like maybe. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely had um, some. I was interacting with some gentlemen on levels that probably I would never would now. I wouldn't call yeah. them gentlemen. No. No. <laughs> boys. Boys. A boy. Uh-huh. Fuck boys. Fuck yeah. boys. Fuck boys. Fuck boys. <laughs> yeah. And so whatever. It's fine. It's it's hilarious <laughs> at best. But um, this dude was at the gym. Is just tr- always constantly like saying stuff that's super inappropriate. But I'm like a little bit like, oh, you're hot. And plus he was, he was 27 and he was huge huge yep. like massive he was like a bodybuilder mm-hmm. like a national level bodybuilder at gold's gym and i was like maybe just for the novelty yeah he's like well he's constantly like when are we gonna fuck this and that and i'm like uh-huh. i'm like but bodybuilders we're, like, we're not flexible. but like maybe we are <laughs> so finally i think i was in the middle of a drought like i think i was in like month number like three or four of like not having any sex for a while and i was like all right maybe so he's been hitting me up hit me up hit me up and i'm like okay yeah all right saturday i'm bored sure come over 
So he came over and <laughs> we are talking and we've only hung out like once or twice. And then we ended up smoking a bowl, which is probably like the first thing that was not going right. Yeah, don't do that. I had like a couple of like small inhales. That dude like just, just smoked a huge blunt. And I don't then, know how anyone has sex high. I mean, no, it's so exhausting. I mean, yeah. you're just so t- you're so relaxed. I, I can't. So before you know it, I look over. Before oh, you know it, I look over and he is like, he's his eyes are crossed. And I was like, okay, this dude is high <laughs> as fuck, and he's just like, sorry, Jill, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. And he kept saying sorry. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he was going somewhere else. And I'm like, I'll call you an Uber. And so anyway, he was like, I just can't. I can't. I'm too high. I'm too high. So anyway, dick didn't work. Yeah. Dick. So that we did not end up sleeping together. No. And that was it for me. Yeah. He, and so he tried to come back around a couple months later and was like, let's try again. I'm like, dude, sorry. Dick don't work. So I was telling work. Nagar yeah. the story. She's telling me this story in the car. Yeah. She's like, this happened. And like, it, every time we try to have sex, for whatever reason, he can't rise to the occasion. And I said, dick don't work. Bye. <laughs> and that was it. And it's dick so don't applicable. Work. Well, dick don't work applies to everything. Right. Yeah. It's not just like actual It's not dick. just sex. It's literally everything. Like my recent ex, like dick worked real nice. We had really good sex. But like dick don't work because you're fucked up and you're not willing to process yeah. your childhood trauma and you're projecting that trauma onto me. Right. Yep. So dick don't work. Bye. Right. Yep. Good exactly. luck. Yep. Keep it pushing. Good luck to the next bitch who fucking falls victim to your bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It is. I mean, it's so Dick applicable. don't work. Yep. I love it. I think that's, I a, good, that that's a good ending to this episode. <laughs> and we're just going to end with Dick don't work. Bye. Well, you know okay, what? But, but we do want to know, um, you know, we, we ask all our uh, guests. It's the Best Life Podcast. You're going through some stuff. So this is a good thing to ask you right now is what does the best life, what does the best life look for Nagar? What's the best life for you? Mm. That's um, an interesting time to ask me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you would have asked me that a month ago, I would have had a very different answer. Yeah. Um, right now, I would say for me, the best life looks like um, creating art that I'm really proud of and that helps people heal and that helps me heal Mm -hmm. but that doesn't take away from time spent with my son or time spent with my friend so it's more about balance I think than it ever has been before is that understanding that like I can be a provider to my son and I can be a person who like creates art and creates healing spaces for other people and never at the expense of like my own well-being and at the quality time with my son um and it really looks like uh it looks like allowing myself to heal in healthy ways so continuing Mm self-care not overindulging in alcohol making sure I'm exercising regularly making sure I'm eating that's a big one because when this first happened I was in such shock and trauma that I couldn't eat for like a week and I started to waste um so for me the best life right now is about taking care of myself I love it. Period. Like not yeah. so that I can X, Y, Z, but right. just like taking really good care of myself and recognizing that I can be heartbroken and I can be experiencing trauma and I can also take really good care of myself. I love it. True pop bottles though? Yep. <laughs> You're not going with alcohol? Okay. Pop some <laughs> um, You're amazing. We love you. Um, where can people connect with you? What's the best way? Where are you hanging out? I am Nagar Fanuni in real life 
and on the internet. So, <laughs> so all <laughs> it's those always places. nice to be both. <laughs> yeah. So nickarfanuni.com and you can find all my services there, um, everything. And I, I think I hang out most on, on Instagram. Cool. Yeah, I like Instagram. It's a yeah, good time. And yeah, she, and she and your writing is so good. Um, and more importantly, I think the way you communicate the ideas is really um, beautiful, but also like in service, and it's like instructive for people. So if you guys are not following Neg on Insta, make sure you're doing that. Make sure you watch your stories. Always very informative, very fun, and uh, yeah. We love you. Thanks love for being you. on. Thanks Thank for having you. me. All right, you guys. Um, let us know what you think of the episode. Make sure you head to thebestlifepodcast.com to get into our closed Facebook group. Yeah. And if you have experience maybe dating a narcissist, that could be a good topic in there. Yeah. Pop that in there. We know you guys have been asking about that. So Nagar has been such a great resource and so generous with her uh, experience and with all that she has learned. So we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.